Hey, hello everybody. Welcome. It is Thursday. It is nine. So of course you're in the UK. UK means it's the Cowboys time. How are we doing, everybody? And that includes our very special guest, Mr. Kyle Yeomans. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be on with you again. It's funny. You had like the two-minute intro, and you got the collage back behind it now on the screen. And I spent all two minutes looking through these pictures to see my friends and my coworkers. And it took literally to the final four seconds for me to see my own picture up there. I was like, oh, look, there I am. Like, it took me the entire timer to try and figure it out. But, yeah, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Yeah, As they say, save the best to last, man. <laughs> Yeah, but just <laughs> shove me in a corner. Everybody else can get the front stuff. No, I don't. We I don't would need never to be up do. There. We'd never do that to you. Uh, and this is the first time we've got to speak to you since you've handed over a um, equivalent to a Super Bowl ring to oh. uh, your new fiance. So congratulations on that, by the way. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. You know, uh, I've, I've been with her for a while. She actually used to work here as well. She she worked as an intern whenever we went to school together. We were in college together. And so she was she was actually a Cowboys employee before I was even thought of in this building. So she's she's the trendsetter in the household. And so I thought I might as well lock it up with the with a nice engagement ring. But we're very excited. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, go, go on. Sorry. And it's good to see that the Dallas weather didn't uh, hamper your plans at all. <laughs> no, and you're right. The Dallas weather is nuts. I woke up this morning and I, I, I was like, all right, let me check the weather. Let me see what I need to wear. And I was like, oh, 33 degrees. Okay, that's fine. Like, you know, 33 is not too bad. It's a little chilly, but it's there. It was like a high of 77. I was like, wait, that's not okay. I was like, and that's for those of you, that's Fahrenheit, not Celsius, of course, mm -hmm. but yep. that is Fahrenheit. So it's nearly freezing to really like a kind of a, a nice little bit warmer afternoon. So Texas weather is pretty crazy. Yeah, but you just yep. mentioned, mind you, our summer. So there we go. But <laughs> yeah, here's, here's a question for you talking about that, right? Is what are the chances and what's the buzz on the Cowboys coming to London this year? You know, uh, it's funny. I looked at that not too long ago because I knew I was going to be on with you guys. And yeah. there's there's a chance. I, I don't know if there's any buzz or anything around there, but of course the Cowboys will not be playing the Cardinals this year. So that takes Mexico mm -hmm. into the equation. They're not going to go to Germany or one of the other spots that are kind of in the talking at the moment uh, because of who they're tabbed to be playing on the road this season. So yeah. if they were to be in the UK, it would have to be, or excuse me, if they're going to play abroad anywhere, if they're going to play anywhere outside of the United States, they would play in the UK. I certainly hope it happens. If it doesn't, <laughs> this year, it needs to happen next year. It needs to happen at some point down the line. Cause I want to, I want to be able to mingle with you guys. I hope they even mm -hmm. send this. I don't know if they will or not, but I, I definitely think there's an opportunity there. I don't know if there's really any buzz around it specifically though. Okay, because that was going to be my next question: is what would be the chances we get the great KY over with us? <laughs> I it, trust me, if they're going to the UK, I want to be there. I've been to London once in my life, mm -hmm. and I 100% want to go back. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think you guys do it right over there, and I want to make sure and, and meet up with the Cowboys fans that are across the pond as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, we we have a long list of people that we are willing. 
to take a kidnapping um, <laughs> strike against her. So if you want to be another one that we try and if, stuff into a suitcase and bring over, we, we're willing hey, to do that. Hey, I'm, I'm six foot three and like 230 pounds. If I fit in your suitcase, you've got a massive suitcase, my friend. <laughs> massive I'm trying to think can, can you make yourself into the shape of a like a surfboard and we'll pretend you're a surfboard uh, that's probably a little bit more along the, the lines of what could happen <laughs> i could probably make that work yeah <laughs> <laughs> here we are but yeah that was going to be my first question out of the gate um was about the, the the uk side of all but we'll get to the dallas cowboy stuff as always we kind of go off rails here and try and somehow claw it back within the, a, a few minutes but um first questions for you um, is obviously we well, it'll be the news that has come out today. First news was about Schottenheimer, um, being taken as part of the coaching staff, um, as an advisor. And I'll get everybody else's opinion on this too. But, um, really, it kind of sounds like he's taken on that advisor role that McAdoo had last mm. year. Is that kind of a case? Is it more the analytical side he's advising on? Yeah, there's there's kind of an analytical side to it. And of course, Schottenheimer being a younger version of the analytical coach in the NFL, as opposed to what Ben McAdoo was a year ago. McAdoo was honestly more so involved in the offense, whereas Schottenheimer is going to be, at least from my understanding, he's going to be pretty much even between offense and defense, kind of overseeing Kellen Moore and, mm-hmm. uh, and Dane Quinn, whatever they need. From an analytical and informational standpoint, he's going to be that go-to guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is kind of what we've seen. This is the third season of Mike McCarthy at the helm, and he likes to have experienced coaches uh, as a part of his coaching staff. And and Schottenheimer is another one of those. Even though he's younger than McAdoo, he's still an experienced NFL coach, and he's been around the league for quite some time. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be anything that will really – take this team to the next level it, it might be a minor deal but it is something uh somewhat of a, a of a win having another brain like that to bounce ideas off of and to to try and keep that creativity rolling because as we know down the stretch things kind of got a little stale for the cowboys especially <laughs> on the offensive side yeah that's true and i know lorne you had a, a thing you wanted to weigh in on it if you want to chip in on the schottenheimer yeah, it's, it's a, a sort of nod back to, again, with the sort of going back a couple of years and sort of returning the favour to Mike Nolan when we hired him as defensive coordinator. You know, Schottenheimer was, uh, Marty um, was the, the the first one to give Dan, uh, um, Mike McCarthy a job in yeah. the NFL. So it's a sort yeah. of repaying, re- repaying in kind sort of thing. Um, so... You know, as Kyle says, it, it's bringing another member into the brain trust, somebody who's had at least passing game coordinator experience as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. deal, dealing with that high, at the high up level as well. So rather than the nitty gritty side of things. So. <laughs> yeah. So what we want to know, though, which is very important, and I'll get the guy's opinions once you give us your opinion on this, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard a little bit of buzz that two people may be coming to the Cowboys. One is that Greg Zerline might be coming back. The other one is T.Y. Hilton. What is the momentum on this story? Is there much truth behind it or or what? What are we dealing with there? Yeah, I think there's a potential for Greg Zerline to to be back in the fold. I think that's a big thing that – it's kind of flying under the radar at the moment as mm. uh and and just because he's coming back doesn't mean he's going to be the kicker 
in 2022. It basically serves, again, kind of like what we've talked about uh, on, on DallasCowboys.com for a number of different positions. It yeah. serves as the baseline to where if you didn't get another added person to that position, you could still go play a football game. That's what the Cowboys have always done. That's a, the way that this front office likes to uh, kind of work their their roster, massage their roster heading into the draft is to allow for the best player available to be selected. And I think that stands the same from a kicking situation is, yeah, Greg Zerline may be re-signed. He may be back on this roster, but, but just because he's re-signed doesn't mean that they can't go and draft a kicker if they want to and maybe add a guy uh, out of the collegiate side of things. Cause I don't really think you look across the NFL right now and you see that, that free agent kicker that you feel more comfortable than mm-hmm. bringing in a, a Greg Zerline back into the fold. So I think this is a, if they end up doing it, of course, this is not official nor yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it has it happened yet, but if they were to bring back a Greg Zerline, I think in order to do so, it would basically be saving themselves uh, just in case they leave April's draft weekend without a kicker in hand. Yeah, so more covering themselves yeah. um, like they've done with the other players. Okay, sure. Uh, um, what about the T.Y. Hilton rumor? You know, it's funny. You're the first one that I've heard say that at all. I haven't heard okay. anything about T.Y. Hilton uh, specifically. Now, it doesn't surprise me that they're looking at veterans and not only at the wide receiver spot, but I expect <laughs> maybe a guard to be in the conversation the next couple of days as well. Of course, last week it was James Washington and Dante Fowler Jr. that were signed on Friday. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's a late in the week conversation that they have with a veteran, either as a guard or as a wide receiver. And, and maybe those are guys that the Cowboys elect to bring in. And, and once again, it kind of goes back to the conversation you had uh, or uh, that we just talked about and, and the fact of covering yourself for position purposes heading yeah. into the draft. Just because they bring in a T.Y. Hilton doesn't mean they're not going to draft a wide receiver to be a long-term option there. And you can say the same thing about a number of different positions. Yeah. All right. And Jamie, Graham, I'll let you guys weigh in. What are you thinking? Are you agreeing with this idea behind the Zerline, just covering themselves for the draft? Go on, Jamie. Either one of you. <laughs> it's certainly what, it's certainly what <laughs> we've seen the team do in the past. Mm. Um, you know, even if they even if they go with a kicking competition, um, it means they don't have to to reach for anybody that that falls particularly, and but they're not left um, without a kicker after the draft because um, I, obviously no no kicker springs to mind. Um, like Kyle was saying, I mean, there's plenty of guys on the street just now. Um, that's why you see. That's why you see kickers go for millions of dollars per year because if you if you've got a good one, you're going to hold on to him. You're not going to let him walk out the door. So, um, if they want to bring Zerline back for for a competition and maybe pick up a, an undrafted rookie, I'm all for that. You know, rather than just have have a rookie come in day one, not have any competition and not have him pushed. You know, like he basically won the job already. So. Um, I don't know if Kyle can weigh in on the salary, but I don't imagine he's on the same salary that he was coming on last year. Yeah, it'll probably be a little bit less if I had to guess. I'll give you the the exact numbers of what he was here in just a second as I look it up because I'm completely unprepared to talk about kickers. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I don't think it would be anything wild compared to what – 
what he was getting paid in the past. I, if anything, I think he would probably slash what his salary was. He was getting two and a half over two years. So $5 million, the average two and a half a year. Uh, his dead cap, dead money was only 300 k So for the most part, if you could maybe get him for a, a million, a million and a half, he could be right back in the thick of things. And it really wouldn't cost you a whole lot on the dollar as well. Yeah, we we do have a kicker on the roster at the moment in Chris Nagar, but um, you know, obviously he's fairly untested. Yeah, doesn't have the same pedigree as Zerline, but um, yeah, you 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 certainly don't want to be going into training camp, and he's he's got the job. You know, even even without actually kicking a football in training camp, you don't want him saying he's the starter like we did last year. You don't um, like yeah. Chris Nagar as a as a kicking option? That's not something that you want as a as something moving into 2023? Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially when so much hinges on the kicker as well, as we found out last season. Goodness gracious. There's so many so many head rubs and just mm. face palms waiting <laughs> yeah. to happen if that ends up being the case. Mm -hmm. I've got it very poor um, carpet in the centre of my living room from pacing so much from last season. <laughs> Just went watching Zerline and going, okay, start the pacing, start yeah. the pacing. So I've been told I need to buy a new rug, actually, just to cover the pace marks. <laughs> it, was, it was a drop into the knees at three o'clock in the morning and waking the house up. That was that was yeah. what did it for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such it a contrast from a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but um let's get on to um really for us the big signing of the week so far is carlos Watkins. Mm. um i know obviously they've signed two other players which we'll get to in a moment and then we'll move on um to some other free agent talk but um obviously carlos Watkins. i think last season he did what was needed of him you know um didn't blow it out the water but didn't fail either um yeah. When you go through some of his stats, got his first touchdown ever in his career, got his first interception, got yeah. a first fumble recovery. So in some respect, and I think uh, when I read the stats, I believe I did put it up, but um, I believe he got more pressures this season than he did, you know, any in any other um, particular season. I think he was down on sacks, but regardless, I know I'm waffling. Um, what do you think of the signing? I, I think it's good. I think it's I think a decent signing. I think it's great. Uh, the, the fact that you're bringing back the guys who were certainly right up at the top of your list as contributors from 2021, that's that's huge. And and I think you you mentioned Carlos Watkins, of course. I think J. Ron Curse is in that conversation. Malik yeah. Hooker, who was certainly getting better as the season went along as well, I think is right there as, uh, at the same time. But specifically on Watkins, that's a guy who you feel like can lead and, and give you the floor that you need out of that interior defensive line group. When he mm. was healthy and he had guys in a rotation, that was as good of a defensive line or defensive tackle unit that you've had for this roster for quite some time. I, I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, is underrated by Carlos Watkins is what he can do for Oso Adigizua, <laughs> what he can do for Neville Gallimore. How does he help Tristan Hill that's going into – a, uh, a contract year as well. Mm -hmm. There's multiple yeah, things that Carlos Watkins is going to do for this defense. It may not show up in the stat sheet a ton. He's not going to be a big sack guy. Yeah, he did have a couple, and he certainly made some plays 
at the same time. But I, I really think his signing is one that's going to make your defensive line better. And, and if you're doing that, then I think it's a good good move. Yeah. Uh, what are your guys' takes as well on the Carlos Watkins? Hi, I'll start with you, the godfather, Jamie, and work round. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's good. Like, say you've got the car, you could probably argue that, yeah, the season didn't turn out how I wanted it to turn out, but you could, I say, argue that the defensive line was probably the better car group last year on, mm-hmm. on this roster. Yeah, we've, we've lost Randy, but we've brought pretty much all of them back from this year. And you saw from 2020 to 2021 a big improvement. And thankfully, they've all got another year now under Dan Quinn. Um, and you can now look at adding maybe a top pass rusher in the first couple of rounds this year and say and, and keep that trend going. So I'm all for it, like you say. Like Kyle says, it's not always about the stats, it's what people do. And a lot of people, if you look at the Marcus Lawrence over the years, got his money after the, the, the big year with sacks. But it's not always about that, is it? If you look at his, his QB pressures, what he does to affect the, the run game, the pass game. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the old saying is, you know, you can never have too many pass rushes. That is true. That is true. Uh, what about you, Lorna? I mean, are you happy with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, ov- obviously, last year's defense was a marked improvement from the Mike Nolan defense of 2020. Um, you know, we we got contributions across the board from everybody, particularly Carlos Watkins, who we brought in from. I think it was Houston. We brought him in from. And he'd, he'd been, you know, obviously behind the roster, behind JJ Watt and um, everything, um, you know. And he he actually, the fact that these guys all gelled together um, suggests that you do try and bring them back. You know, if you if you if you've got a strength there, you know, you need to try and bring them back now. Year on year, you, as soon as you as soon as you close the book on 2021 it's a completely different unit for 2022 some people will rise some people will fall but you know you're at least going in with the same roster as last year and hopefully you know they continue to build and work together and gel together yeah and i know uh our man who loves talking defensive and offensive line will want to have his way in on this one what do you think gray (laughs) Yeah, just with the, I'm interested to hear what Kyle thinks um, on this one with the, with the loss of Randy Gregory. Um, certainly, from from my understanding of our D line, is that the pressures came from the defensive end. What does Kyle think of us as taking maybe an interior defensive lineman, say like a um, like a Jordan Davis, maybe to create uh, interior pressure and collapse the pocket from the middle rather than re- relying on defensive end. Yeah, well, that's where a lot of your your production has come, and it really hasn't been that way just for a couple of years. It's been that way for quite some time. I see we've got people in the comments talking about Tank Lawrence, and and he's certainly going to put some pressures up on the board. Randy Gregory did that for you. You're hoping that the rotation of Dorrance Armstrong and, and uh, I'm already blank at Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler. Yeah, yeah. If you have those two guys in a rotation, you you feel like they could maybe rival the production from those two guys off the edge. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, you're going to have to get a lot of your pressures now without Randy Gregory in the fold from that interior, whether that's through the draft from a Jordan Davis or maybe a Travis Jones out of UConn in the oh. second round. There's a couple names that potentially fit 
in that big, beefy, nose-tackle, man-eater sort of role that you need in the interior of that line, or you need it from your guys that are the three techniques or the guys that are on your roster right now that you've spent high draft picks on. Look at Osa. Look at uh, Neville and, and Tristan Hill. Those are day two picks each of the last three years that oh. you've spent on a defensive tackle at some point. Even with Randy Gregory not in the fold, you need them to step up and provide some production as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm I totally in agreement there. But looking at free agents, right, since we're looking at the free agency side, do you think that they're done? Or do you think that, you know, as we get into like the sort of the next wave of free agency, they're going to do more? And if they do, do you think it's an offensive line? Uh, I definitely don't think they're done. I think mm -hmm. they are just getting started in terms of bringing in guys and looking at ways to improve this roster. And I, I think offensive line is where it starts. We've already mentioned Greg Zerline, uh, but I think there are some offensive linemen that they certainly look at out there. It may not be the big names that you certainly look at along the way. It may not be the J.C. Treaders of the world just based off of the salary cap that they have to work around. Uh, but maybe they go and get some guys – that uh, that you feel like can add depth because right now the starters are few and far between on the open market but if uh -huh. you're going to to go and draft a guy at, to go play your left guard spot or you're drafting a center potentially uh in doing so it also says that you're not very deep at either one of those positions as well and i think it's something that the cowboys certainly have their eye on and i think they'll address it here over the next couple of days maybe even weeks okay could I convince any of you for them to get our own back on Cincinnati Bengals and try and poach <laughs> Quinton Spain that fills a guard <laughs> spot? What do you reckon? That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, what are you What are you offering to do that though? What's What's What are you going well, that's, with there? Yeah, that's the point. Is that I want to get my own back with the Lyle Collins situation because I know obviously. <laughs> You're in it for the personal reasons. You're trying to get. You're trying to get back. You're. This is. This is a vendetta against the Cincinnati Bengals. Is what you're telling me, right? Oh yes. now, right? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. This is. It, and it's in more ways than one too. After we had to sit sit through uh, that Super Bowl as well, which we had a UK Cowboys do in yeah. uh, Glasgow for. So you imagine being very drunk and tired at five a.m. and watching all that unfold um oh we yeah yeah so i just want to try and poach him but See, i'm and and it's funny because i'm in the formula one now i'm really uh -huh. big, i've always been a big yes. racing fan uh, but like never into formula one i was always into like indycar and nascar mm -hmm. formula one's relatively new to me so now i feel your pain because i'll wake up and I'll be drunk <laughs> off of the mimosas on a Sunday morning yeah. by the time eight o'clock rolls around. And I'm going to be pissed because Lando Norris spun into the wall and I'm not OK with it. It's fine. Mm. It's I mean, Sochi almost broke my heart the way that that happened. So, uh, yeah, the, I feel your pain on that one for sure. Yeah. But there you go. Look, see, it's all about round the clock. But the good news oh, is there's it. some good news on this is that over in the States, me and Lorne were talking about this is you're getting rid of daylight savings time. So in the winter, we get that extra hour closer to you. It works in nice. our favor. So we're yep. all like, yes, let's all vote. Can we vote for it over here in the UK? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're, you're trying to trying to come in and, and provide a little bit of uh, yeah. external output or input, That's I should it, yeah. say. I like yep. it. Whatever the, the poll is, they can have just like a tick for the UK uh, just, on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, just another one. 
Yeah, I, d- I don't know if it has much effect on voting in the states. I, but... I know I don't get a vote, so. <laughs> All right. Is that because you're Canadian? No, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think it's because it's people above my pay grade that are making that decision. Is ultimately what it is. <laughs> um, but here's one for you. Is Do you think, because there's a lot of rumor right now surrounding it um, with the Bobby Wanger, but do you think he's perhaps slightly out of the price range of what they're after? Uh, yeah, right now, I think is it, it's a potential to say that he's a little bit out of the price range. I mean, you're looking at multiple years, like three, four or four years, and then you've got probably double digit millions of dollars mm-hmm. for you to, to, to be able to make that happen. They're about $17 million under the cap right now. Yes. And while you look at that and you're like, wow, yeah, you could go spend 12 million and you'll be five under. That's great. But you got to remember <laughs> About 11 million of that needs to be saved for your draft class in order to sign your draft class and, and move forward with those guys. So, it, I mean, you're really only working with about six million dollars, seven million dollars yeah. if you really wanted to stretch it uh, prior to the draft in, in trying to go and find these guys. And of course, you can finagle the salary cap around the way yeah. you want. It doesn't have to be an even six million or seven million a year. You could try and figure it out. But with Bobby Wagner, serving as his own agent it really does feel like as we go along it gets just uh, less and less likely that he would be in a cowboys uniform i think there's mutual interest there i i've yeah. definitely heard that there's mutual interest and and at times i thought the deal was going to get done but at least at this point in time i, I really don't see it happening and even though i would love for it to happen i, I just think that they're going to look elsewhere with that that remaining cap space and maybe make it work like that yeah. What what I would say is the the Cowboys have got seventeen million at the moment, but obviously June first they get an an extra ten yeah. million from Lyle Collins. So Lyle Collins practically covers your draft class if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, to, you've got to that seventeen extent. to 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 draft the big guys just now. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, let let them see what there is in the market. If nobody's jumping up and down for him, which you know the fact that he's still on the market at the moment suggests that it could we could come back round to to this as well. But um, you know it, it's it's a bit depressing to see that at the moment the the sort of motivation's not there yeah. to, to sign with Dallas and get back with Quinn. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got anything to add to that one, Kyle? Or do you want me to move to uh, the next? No, I, I think it's a great point. I think overall you're at it from uh, a salary cap standpoint you, you make a good point about the 10 million from yl and even though that's that's post june one and that won't show up in your cap at least until june maybe they wait and just try and delay signing these draft picks to a certain amount of time but even then i still think it would be tight to try and uh, they would they would want to try and get these guys done get these guys into otas rookie minicamp things like that along the way uh, before they really start worrying about yeah. maybe kicking that that can down the road as well. Yeah. Um, so here's one for you from the mailbag that happened in a week when they found out you were coming on. I got a question, and I forget who asked this, so I do apologize. Do you think the Cowboys, with what's going on with Tony Pollard and issues mm-hmm. with Zeke slowing down, do you think this is a year where they should draft a running back just to protect themselves for the future? Where they should draft a 
Uh, that's that's a good one because there is some question mark around whether or not, of course, Zeke will be here long term. Tony mm-hmm. Pollard's getting into that part of his contract where either he's going to need more money or he will be out on the uh, on the open market as well. I think there's a chance that they draft a running back, and they've talked to a couple of guys. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've talked to some of the top guys and then some of the guys at the bottom of the list. I know they met with Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M during the, the week in Indianapolis. Rashad White out of Arizona State, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati are all guys that I know Dallas has at least had a little bit of contact with. And all three of those guys uh, were senior bowl products at the same time too. So they've gotten a chance to see him up close, get to know those guys. Excuse me. Spiller was not a senior bowl guy, but Mm -hmm. uh, Ford and, and price were. Yeah. Uh, So I think there's a couple of opportunities there late in the draft. If you wanted to spend a pick on them, but even then, how much do you expect for them to contribute? Cause you'd still like what Rico Dowdle, brings to the table. He got hurt uh-huh. this past year, but from a special team standpoint and as a, a third back in that rotation, I think he fit that role perfectly. You will get Shewo Alana Lua back, uh, who was also hurt, kind of played that fullback, H-back sort of uh, role for this Cowboys offense a year ago. So you have guys in the room. It's just whether or not you feel comfortable about those guys moving forward and maybe you don't want to wait until – 2023 to address your running back situation and right now i don't see that as an ultimate need but i think it is a sneaky need for the cowboys moving into the draft i agree sneaky is what what i like to put it as too yeah um and obviously although they've taken on james washington um from pittsburgh looking at it they've given him quite a a, you know a one-year deal so it's more of a protection thing do you still think at this stage Wide receiver is a high priority in this draft. Yeah, I think it is, especially when you look at the uh, you look at the the potential receivers that are there on the board or that could be there on the board either at twenty four or at fifty six. I think wide receiver could be one of those things that you go out and you get because even with James Washington being here, and sure he could play that Cedric Wilson type of role where you you use him in a number of different ways. He kind of gives you that change up for your offense. Uh, and, and he's had decent production throughout his career, even being buried on the depth chart during his time in Pittsburgh as well. So mm, I think yeah. there's a chance that he comes in and, and provides some good production. Uh, but in terms of a long-term answer, I really don't think this front office expects James Washington to be that, that next long-term option for Dak Prescott to be throwing the football to, I think their next long-term option is going to come from that draft class, either the, early on or maybe even day two or day three. Yeah, yeah, and because they, they have met with um, they, we, every Tuesday we do a prospect project show where we just nice. take a position and look at uh, the guys. Last This week it was defensive end. The week before we was looking at wide receiver. Um, one of the things I pointed, and it, it's quite ironic as well, um, that he's been a 30 visit, is there's a certain Arkansas, which we know Jerry Jones quite likes, yeah. uh, wide receiver who's so, gone in. And I do truly believe that if he's there, Traylon Burks, I think he's going to be at least a huge consideration for Jerry Jones when he's there. Yeah, I think he would certainly be in the conversation uh, as a potential outside receiver that you would like to maybe uh, entertain, I I guess. Mm -hmm. And and the Cowboys, even though, of course, the Jones family has that that Arkansas connection, 
yeah. they haven't necessarily been known to take a ton of Arkansas guys <laughs> in the draft. It's really been uh, yeah. one guy over the course of uh, their drafting tenure that they've brought out of Fayetteville. And so uh, I think Burks is different because he fits a need and he fits a role that this Cowboys team would have as an outside receiver who could kind of be a gadget player. You could bring him in the slot. You could use him in the backfield. He's quick enough to 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 run away from some of the best defenses in collegiate football. So you would think he would have some success in the NFL as well, even though his testing times weren't as fruitful as you would like mm-hmm. him to be. Uh, but I, I think Burks is certainly there. Uh, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State could be yeah, in that conversation. Yeah. Same thing with Chris Olave, who I know has been reported that he's coming to Dallas on That's a 30 right. visit as yeah. well. If Olave is there at 24 and they don't necessarily feel like they have an offensive lineman or an edge rusher, that could help them immediately. I would expect wide receiver to be heavy in that conversation and maybe even the pick. Yeah, 100%. So what I would thought, because we've obviously got you for for, for an hour, do we keep you much more than that? No, this time of year, you're a busy man, um, a lot going on. So we don't want to go on for too long. But what I thought is to do a little uh, experiment, if you like, and get your opinion here. I'm basically looking at the NFC East, because obviously Mm -hmm. the easiest way to get to the playoffs is win your division, right? So what I thought we'd do, and I'll do this with all of us to find out if we can get a consensus here, is to look at the four NFC East teams and where they rank in each position. Mm -hmm. And that way it gives you a sort of idea of where we look weakest and try and figure something out there but in your opinion in terms of quarterback we're only looking really at starters in terms of you know like offensive linemen defensive like we look at the the, the full string if you like i say with running backs wide receivers but yeah. are we all in agreement the cowboys would rank first in quarterback yep yeah yeah I think it, that that one's pretty easy. That yeah. one's the easiest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when I was going for, I was like, yeah, this is. I was like, well, this experiment's going really well. We'll go ahead and but, check that box and move on. Yeah, yeah. And then because then you go to running back and you go, well, Z, Tony. And when you go through everybody else, you go, yeah, still. I mean, you know, Commanders got to get used to saying that they're fairly close with what they've got, but I still think the Cowboys are better. Are we all in agreement there? You're talking about for yeah. running back. Running back, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if Saquon Barkley is healthy, yeah. you could maybe throw the Giants into that conversation because even as much as we love Zeke, Zeke has not been the same Zeke over the last couple of years. And yeah, he, he puts up production, but he's not that same kind of explosion. So I would say I would say a healthy Saquon Barkley ranks at the top of that list. But outside of that, I would say, yeah, you, uh, from a position group standpoint. Now, if we're talking running offense, like rushing offense in general, I think Philadelphia needs to be in that conversation because they were top uh, yeah. in the NFL yes. in terms of rushing yards per game. So I think they could be there too. But if we're specifically keeping it to running back, which I believe is the, the thought process behind <laughs> this, then I would still give Dallas the edge, but only if Saquon Barkley's not not healthy. Yeah, uh, and I mean – you know, my, my thought process between, and I agree, because Saquon Barkley is that home run hitter, the boom or bust mm-hmm. type guy. Um, but when you look at a track record and you always say, what's a, a player's best ability is availability. And Saquon yep. so far has proven to be unavailable. Um, so that's the only reason I'm the same as you. Now, this is where it gets a bit convoluted and a bit tricky. And we've had a bit of a discussion before you came in about this one. So it's mm-hmm. past catchers. So 
this is why it makes it tricky. So we're including wide receiver and tight end in this group. Now, where would you rank in the NFC East? And this is tricky, and we're going to get different answers. Yeah, the Cowboys, where do they rank? Because you have to include, if you've got Philly, you're including Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. And that makes that one a particularly tricky choice. Yeah, you guys go first on this. I'm thinking on this. Yeah, well, I've got Giants last. I'm gonna. I'm working backwards off this. I've got Giants last um, okay. to keep that one simple. And it's really, for me, because the other issue you've got with Washington is that I would say they've probably got the best wide receiver in the NFC East now with yeah. Terry McLaurin. So mm-hmm. already they're ahead because they have the best. I think Philly have got a nice option. And then Cowboys, you've got question marks because although I like C.D. Lamb and he is a good wide receiver, so far uh, what we've got from him, um, and I want to try and be careful with my words. I to say it. He's he's just been underwhelming. Mm, yeah, that's because I'm looking. I, I mean, I'm looking at Curtis Samuel and mm. Terry McLaurin, yeah. Logan Thomas. I mean, they've got guys in they Washington, guys. yeah, that they they like and that I like too, to a certain extent, yeah. And then Philadelphia is Devontae Smith, Jalen yeah. Rager, who's been very disappointing. But then they've mm-hmm. got Dallas Goddard that kind of makes yeah. up for that. It's tricky. I would probably say give me Washington first. Mm-hmm. Dallas Dallas is a close second. Close second. Yep. Yeah. And then I would do Philly third. And Philly are extremely close to Dallas, too. Yeah, That's I would probably I've put them yeah. pretty close, too. Yeah. And Dallas, I mean, maybe it's the like the opposite of the recency bias and, and the fact that we're disappointed that there is no Amari Cooper. But, I mean, you think about C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. That's a pretty good trio to throw the football to. And you're not yeah. going to see uh, a trio like that, uh, that the, the, what the Cowboys had previously – Unless they go and draft a guy in the first two rounds, then I think automatically you're going to throw them right up at the top of that list again. Yeah. What? What? Where have yeah. you guys got the wide receivers slash tight end cores? I've got it second with like a, a, a line next to it, and I don't know what the line means yet. Yeah. I've decided just to put a line next to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've basically got the Giants. I've basically got the Giants last. Um, but I mean, obviously, Giants have. Have Kadarius Tony, who you know was certainly coming on and certainly let our secondary up in in the first Giants game. Yep. Um, you know, and then it it pretty much you know if if Michael Gallup returns to form and we get as close to a full season out of him, I don't know. You know, obviously, week one isn't ruled out, but it's going to be very tight to get him back for week one. Mm-hmm. Um. If you get a full season out of those guys and they meet their potential, then Dallas is there uh, at one. But yeah. every, everybody else, I think the gap is certainly closed. Philadelphia, I like Quez Watkins. I think Devontae Quez Smith Watkins, had a yeah. good, uh, uh, Smith had a, obviously had the rookie record last year. Um, 
or certainly a Philadelphia rookie record, I think it was for you know, obviously we were when we were playing their their third string in that uh, final final away game of the season. Um, you know, they that was the one record that they were going for, um, and then as we say, I think Washington have got you know Curtis Samuel, they've got McLaurin, uh, Logan Hall. You know that's. Uh-huh. Uh, that's uh, quite quite some uh, tandem. It's a sneaky force, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to change my answer. I really am. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if CD Lamb could be classified as worse than Terry McLaurin. I really don't. I mean, I'm looking at. No? I'm even. I mean, at- it, 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 there was a comment that was made, and he asked, "Why is McLaurin better than Lamb?" And was it? I didn't even see that. Where is that? Yeah, oh, uh, it's in the in the YouTube. I see it right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at the stats, and you're looking at the the way. It's tough because Terry McLaurin was the guy in yes in Washington. He was double teamed. He was the one that was the biggest threat. We're gonna see very quickly if C.D. Lamb can hold his own as a number one in the NFL. Yeah. I certainly yeah. think he can, but. I I don't know if it's it's enough because he still had better numbers, he had better receiving grades, and he did so over a longer period of time than McLaurin that did this year. But also mm-hmm. McLaurin was playing with Taylor Heineke as his quarterback, as there opposed to Dak Prescott as his quarterback. So yeah. I don't you know. Beat it, me it, to the it, point there. Very tough to look back and forth uh, at these two guys and really compare. I think this year you'll get a better idea of where those guys rank. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going with second. Uh, still, I'm I'm keeping it yeah. there for now. But we, we'll we'll come back to that for good reason. But what about offensive line again? This is where it gets <laughs> tricky because to me, just to make a mark, is you've got Tyron Smith, right? And I know people will talk about the injury problems. Yep, Tyron Smith as a left tackle in the NFL when he's when playing, he's healthy, he's great. <laughs> he's a top five player. Yeah, yeah. As a top five left tackle, you've got Zach Martin who is probably, you could argue, one of the best guards in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. he's easily within the top three. Um, you've got Terrence Steele who's coming along. Then we've got question marks on the left interior of that line, um, which is where we have problems. So where are you guys ranking offense? I've got it for me, only because we've got two guys who are top five in their position. I've got the Cowboys as the second offensive line, and I might be being a bit rich there, but what about you? What about you, Kyle? The rest of the guys. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Philadelphia has the top offensive line, and it really yes. is in really close to me just yeah. because across the board, they're very strong from an offensive line standpoint, especially mm-hmm. with the return of Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, I think Washington would probably be my third. They've got solid guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't even say his name, number 71, Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Uh, I don't really know. But he's he's been very good. Relier in the middle has been very good. Cosme yeah, on the outside. Cosme's Leno fine, Jr. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have really – they just have a solid group. I don't think they're as good as Dallas. I would yeah. put Philly far and away as number one. I would yeah. put Dallas as a, a number two. Very tight with Washington, number three. Almost mm-hmm. the 2A, 2B. I mean, they're yeah. very comparable. And yeah. then I would throw – the Giants in last again, which sorry, New York, but it's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody got anything different in terms of offensive line? Anyone go going for first? No, again, no. there's there's too many question marks about the two 
two weak positions in on our offensive yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We don't we don't know if Connor Williams was the weak link or if Tyler Biadish was the weak link, and Connor Williams' problems were, as a matter of fact, of uh, the weak link of uh, Tyler Biadish or or vice versa. Um, you know, so th- there's question marks there. Um, Philadelphia, obviously, they've got the veteran in uh, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got um, Mailatu. Um, you know, it, they've got potential there as well. They just, again, they need to get everybody together and get them a bit seasoned. I will say Lauren has a great point. If If you asked me this question again after the draft in April – yeah, or maybe going into May, I may say Washington's number two on that list, and it may not be very close. I think yeah. right now we're thinking that they're going to address it. I still think mm-hmm. there's a hope that that gets addressed and that the, the center position either gets upgraded or your left guard position gets upgraded or both. Yeah. And right now, if they don't do either one of those things, and your starters right are Tyron Smith, Connor McGovern, uh, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. They're the third best mm-hmm. offensive line in the division, and they may even be closer to New York than they would be to Washington. Yes, agree. Agree there. Now, this one that I find a bit easier. This is defensive line across the board. So from uh, bookend to bookend and the mm-hmm. interior, where are you ranking the Cowboys? I've got them as the third defensive mm-hmm. line. Obviously, the commanders. See, I'm getting used to it slowly. One. Getting used to it again. Yeah, they won. I got Eagles, although I have a question about Fletcher Cox. Why they back. were allowed. I think he is back. back. He's back. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't get how that rule was allowed. Yeah. Yeah, it happens, I guess. It's the NFL. There's weird loopholes and everything in there. I don't see how that hasn't been done before then. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's so strange. But anyway, yeah, Eagles. Then I got the Cowboys and then Giants again. Sorry, Giants. Yeah, it's, that's, apologize. that's my four. Yeah. I don't have any anything to add. Anything different? Anybody anything different to first? Are we happy no, with that? As, as, long, as long as Washington are beating up on offensive lines and not beating up on themselves on the sideline, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is that factor. So then, this is where I, I'm having trouble. This is the one I had trouble with the most, is linebacker position. Only because the Cowboys have two out of three of their linebacker spots filled. Jabril mm-hmm. Cox with an injury with a question mark. We don't know how that's going to go. And even still, the other guy we filled the position with is Leighton Van Der Esch, who you can say had not a very good rookie contract part, but I would say that last season, as the season wore on, you were seeing a different Leighton Van Der Esch, certainly right the way up to the 49ers game at the end of the season. And I don't mean to swear by saying that. But um, where are you guys ranking the linebacker position? Because at the moment, I'm putting Micah Parsons in there, and he makes up pretty much 100% of the linebacker position. Um, I'll, I guess I'll go first here too. Micah Parsons by far makes him number one. I, I don't yeah. think there's okay. another player in the entire division that even remotely goes to what Micah Parsons could do at that position. And you look at even the, the division as a whole. I mean, let's start with the lowly giants. Sorry, New York. There's but nothing there. Tate Crowder was just pitiful. Uh, yeah. So much so that they went out and got Jalen Smith. You have Blake mm-hmm. Martinez. At the second level, none mm. of those guys, none of those guys are good. Then yeah. for Washington, you have Mayo, Holcomb, 
and Davis. Jamin, Jamin Davis, yeah. Yeah, Jamin Davis. I mean, he's a he was just a rookie, so maybe he finds a way uh, to take a step up. I think right now you're looking at Philly and Dallas specifically as the two teams that have mm. good linebacker cores. And yeah. I would just I would just take or take Dallas over Philly just in the fact that, that Michael Parsons is on that roster and in the second level. Yeah, because I mean when you look at it really across, you know, they've got depth, but yeah. really their their main guy is Hassan Reddick. And he's not a bad player, but no. he's not Micah Parsons. No. Yeah, I mean, my issue is is that there's still uh, I I put them as a two and slash three only because they've just got so many gaps at the linebacker position. They need bodies. They do. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's perhaps something I think they might try and protect themselves in free agency. <coughs> That's what I think is is going to go next. But anybody, what's all your thoughts in terms of the linebacker? Who's got what? Well, I think in terms of linebacker, you've you've got the potential for breakouts. I mean, when you when you th- when you consider the starting three, you've got Parsons, Van Der Esch has only just finished his rookie deal, and possibly even um, Jabril Cox coming in yeah. to start. So you, you've got three very young guys mm-hmm. there who are in their rookie deal or have just finished it. So um, certainly another year under Dan Quinn, you could see a breakout from that group. I know that the Eagles have added Riddick. Um, mm-hmm. They don't tend to use a lot of draft capital on, on linebacker. So it's it's there for the, the Cowboys to go on and, and um improve in that position. And yeah. um if if Van der Esch has the, the year that we want him we all want him to have and he wants to have, um you're potentially talking about a very good group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Uh, the, my only comment about Philadelphia is if they've, they've let go um oh god, what's his name? A uh, Played for it's Calgary Ridgeway. in the CFL. No. Um, Singleton? Singleton, yeah. Singleton mm-hmm. was a very good linebacker for them. He was one of their leading tacklers. When he was playing in Calgary, he was the he was the sort of Sean Lee linchpin of the the linebacker core there, and that's how he's managed to parlay that into an NFL career with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he's somebody, you know, as an under-the-radar guy, um, if he's still available in the free agency market, I'd even consider bringing him in to Dallas, actually. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he's a very very intelligent guy, and I think he'd fit well into the Dan Quinn scheme as well. He played quite um, a bit on special teams, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, I mean, that, first, that first season he came down from Calgary, he, he was particularly on special teams, and then yeah, I think injury pushed him into the lineup, and, you know, he never looked back from there, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, is even in this draft, and Kyle, you'll test it there, there are some decent linebackers as well as, you know, that FBI-type linebacker that we're talking about, that Lawn's talking. I don't know that's an old saying to say FBI-type, but yeah. there's those type linebackers in this year's draft, so there is a way that they can fill it that way. Yeah, I, I have out of uh, – so there's – 51 linebackers on my board that I that I have here to look mm-hmm. at. 17 of them, or no, 14 of them, sorry, I would take in the top 100. 17 of them I would take in the top three rounds. So, yeah. uh, I mean, there's still uh, a chance there. And, of course, those last couple, are, I'm stretching a little bit on them to maybe take them in the third round because you don't pick again until, like, 128. Um, 
So, I mean, I see them using some of their draft capital to maybe back in that. Maybe it's a Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Chad Muma from Wyoming. He may go he a little bit before guy. the Cowboys at 56. Yeah. Uh, Damone Clark out of LSU. Brian Osamoa from Oklahoma. They've got guys that they have looked at, that they have either talked to or been interested in, been rumored around, that they could maybe look at that, that position. I don't think they would go – into the fourth round without having at least thought about a linebacker in the early round. There's usually going to be a guy there, depending on whatever pick you have. I think a linebacker will be in that conversation. Yeah. I'm with you there. And yeah, but I mean, I can see your argument with trying to make linebacker first because it's, I mean, you've got it's defensive Micah rookie Parsons. of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's my argument. Is it's just <laughs> Micah Parsons? <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, let's move it to the cornerback position, and I'm sure this is going to spark up some controversy talking about this. Where are you guys ranking? Because obviously, we've got uh, quite good depth, I would say too. Um, yeah. And we wrote a piece last year about Nation Wright, and I think there's a guy who this year is going to go into a sophomore year, a bit more development, so there's more depth there again. The issue is, of course, people are going to say the boom or bust factor of uh, Trayvon Diggs Mm -hmm. in comparison to what, like, say, the Eagles have in Darius Slay. So where would you rank um, the Cowboys at the cornerback position? I'm finding this one more trickier than the linebacker. I think in terms of the top talent on at the position, I think every every team has a player that that shines. Uh, I mean, Trayvon Diggs, of course, with Dallas. Uh, you have Darius Slay with Philadelphia. You have um, oh, what's his name? Fuller, Kyle Fuller. Yeah, from Kyle Fuller, Washington. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. everybody, even I mean, even Adoree Jackson from New York. I mean, there are guys mm-hmm. on every team at the cornerback spot that you feel pretty good about. This is tough to rank though, because yeah. you're right. I think depth plays, plays a factor into it. Um, and then also the production plays a factor into it as well. I'm interested to see what you guys think. Yeah. Go on, Jake. Where are you ranking the corner position? I know you were having fun with this earlier. I, <laughs> oh dear! Uh-oh. Right, hold on, Jay. We're, we're, we're having an internet issue with you. I'll move I you to Lorne a minute while you try and get a minute. But Lorne and Graham, the Scottish pair, uh, give us what what you, ah, there we go. He's going to try and reset himself yeah. now. I bet. Uh, give us where you rank uh, the corner position for the for the Cowboys. I think it's di- I think it is difficult as as Kyle says. Everybody's got. The number one cornerback on mm. each team is a standout guy. I think Dallas probably has the depth in that we've got Anthony Brown, who, you know, obviously benefited from Dan Quinn's scheme last year and the fact that everybody not necessarily was throwing away from Trayvon Diggs, but, you know, he was he was the slightly more targeted uh, defensive back, um, you know, and obviously he... He shone, he made the interceptions, got pick sixes. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you could say he could have done with standing in front of a jugs machine a bit more because um, <laughs> he certainly dropped a few. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he, he, was a, he was a reason for 
our, our secondary being what it was last year. Again, uh, Lewis um, plays hot and cold at times, um, but when he's on his game, he, he shuts down the, the interior um, wide receiver as well. Uh-huh. Um, I thought you saw you saw enough out of Kelvin Joseph in the spot spot duties towards the end of the year that again another off season in the in the program, you know, bring him up to speed. And I think Nishon Wright as well, that Philadelphia game again, you saw him um yeah. going well against the, the albeit the Philadelphia sort of second and third stringers. Um but you know he was he was doing a job there so and yeah. then Cowboys first. I'd probably go Philadelphia second, uh, Giants last, and Washington third again. The Giants are getting such a beat up on Sorry, this Giants. Game. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're getting so. And what's funny is UK Giants are some of our best friends. I don't oh, know God. Yeah. It sounds weird to say. So if they see this, they guys. will absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah. I. I tend to agree sorry graham i didn't mean to no go okay go go for it i was gonna say i i have dallas as probably number one just just because of the depth philly yeah then washington then new york yeah what about you crazy i'm gonna put the cowboys um at, at one simply because they they do have digs they have experience with brown but i'm also going to put it down to a little bit of potential because of the the draft capital they spent mm-hmm. last year and yeah joseph and Wright. now i get that cornerback is is probably one of the more difficult um positions to pick up from day one that's i think that's why we're so amazed with digs because um you're coming up against the best talent um that are going to show you things that you simply haven't seen in college and i think um certainly with joseph he had he had a bit of a rough start, start to his career but being a second round pick hopefully he can let the talent shine through and certainly you've got nation right there who was a fourth yeah. round pick if i remember right so they certainly spent a good amount of draft capital um just to see what just a question for Kyle. do you see do you see that from the front office did they, did they expect joseph and Wright to make an advance in their in their second year or is cornerback uh a need area for the cowboys in the draft yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think they they believe that they have their depth there because whether it's uh, the the Jordan Lewis and the Anthony Browns of the world, or you turn around and then you use uh, a Nation Ryder or Kelvin Joseph, I certainly think they they believe Kelvin Joseph should take the step and challenge Anthony Brown, if not straight up take his starting spot, even as early as training camp. I think they want that to happen. So. Uh, I, I don't see them really entertaining a corner very long in the draft, but it is something that uh, I know is on the radar just in case the right guy falls in their lap. Yeah, and it is really unusual to say the Cowboys are okay at defensive back. Yeah, which is, right? So it, it feels strange. It what feels is going strange. on? What is yeah. this? This is the weirdest offseason, especially when you think <laughs> of everything else that's gone on. That's true. Um, very strange. But. That. Here's one that's going to make things even weirder. Uh, the Cowboys obviously keep Curse. They keep uh, Hooker as well, which I was really chuffed about. I really want it because I think there is something there. And there's some definite potential there. Um, he's going finally into a season where he's not injured. 
because uh, it seems to be since he's got drafted every offseason, he's recovering from injury. This year, yeah. that's not happening. Um, safety position for me, Cowboys. This is going to be weird to say as well. For me, NFC East first. Wow. Say it again. I just like hearing it. <laughs> I Yes. Yeah. I mean, because like when I, I mean, when you go through it, there's nothing really standing out to me. Uh, Washington, um, you know, Bobby McCain, great. Okay. You go over to, you, you know, you go over to Philly and you go, who's their best safety there? Anthony Harris. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. And I'm not going to do it again to uh, Giants. I know they got Xavier, <laughs> Xavier McKinney. But I mean, there's nothing there that, that hops out to you where you go, no, I mean, you, you've got a nice selection of safeties that can do a various range of skills. Your tight end Kelly, your center fielder, your box safety. You've even, if you want to throw in Mukwamu, who is yeah. another guy we wrote about in the offseason as well. Um, there's another guy that could develop into something special if, if that, you know, especially with Dan Quinn is a possibility. Safety for the Cowboys. I mean, uh, I mean, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up because nothing feels right. Say it again, Mike. Where do you have them ranked? <laughs> They're first. That's what I like to hear. Finally I, did it. I completely agree with you. I'm, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Anybody got a change from the number one in safety position? Nope. Say it, Lauren. No. Go on. <laughs> yeah. As, as I, I, Kyle I'm, always I'm, says, I'm, it, say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I've got them as number one. I mean... And it, as you say, Mike, it feels alien. We're normally sitting here going, we really need to spend some draft capital. We need to bring in a free agent. Well, we brought in guys last year who had the potential, had question marks against them because of, um, you know, injuries, coming back from injuries. You, you brought in Jaron Curse, who had re realistically only been a special teamer. Um, proves my point that we made last week that, you know, one man's trash in free agency is another <laughs> yeah. man's treasure. Yeah. Brought him in. He became a tight end killer. And, a lot you know, it, it is slightly surprising that he didn't get garner more interest in the free agency yeah. market. But then maybe that's just Dan Quinn's scheme and maybe other teams wouldn't know how to use him. Yeah. yeah. So I'm um, going to put the I'm going to put the Cowboys first, but I'm going to paint you all a scenario. Okay, I'm going to paint you all a scenario. Don't bring it down, Graham. Don't bring it down. Don't bring it down, please. Please. With the fifth pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the New York Giants select. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell does, you, I tell you. Does that I change things? I, I no, because I disagree with you that Kyle Hamilton is not going to go to the Giants. He's going to go before the Giants pick. So I'm keeping yeah, everybody Hamilton on this. So okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's too good. He's too good. He's, uh, in, good. in fact. In fact, I will go as far to say it wouldn't surprise me if Hamilton goes. I would say he could go potentially before Thibodeau. Uh, yeah, I think that's a possibility. I think that could happen. This like first twenty picks are going to be nutty, regardless of what <laughs> yeah. what ends up happening. But I think I think Hamilton going before Thibodeau could certainly happen. Yeah, well, well, I, I don't see that. I must say, I don't see that happen. I think the Giants need too much on the offensive line for Basically. them to go and yeah, take safety. So I don't, it, I don't see it happening. 
Yeah, I mean, when I did my own mock draft that we was going to post up yesterday, but didn't bother because so much changed between doing the mock draft and deciding yeah. to post it up. Uh, the world changed, so uh, there was no point in posting it up. But when you do it, you look at it and you just go, Giants, it's offensive line, offensive line. You just keep every pick, you're like, it's got to be offensive. It's just way too much. And, you know, a lot of problems that Jones has back there is because he can't stay upright. You know, he's yeah. getting a bad treatment. But basically, the reason I was thinking of doing a pro pro that project was to go and say, right, what do the Cowboys need? And what do the Cowboys need in order to get success in the NFC East? And when you look at it, you go, well, we're top at everything, really, apart from wide receiver, offensive line, and defensive line. So defensive yeah. line is always an ongoing project. But when everybody's saying, what do we need? We're always going, well, wide receiver and offensive line seem to be the main points. Well, they're the two places we're weakest in the yep. division, too, where we're not first. So everything ties in with, well, if that's the case, it's a no-brainer with where we need to go. So my question now, which is why I came here, is Cal Yeomans, in a vacuum, you have the choice. You are the GM and making the pick. Okay. Are you taking with are you taking a wide receiver or are you taking Kenyon Green from uh my Texas AM? No, but are you taking offensive line or a wide <laughs> receiver at pick 24? Because that's really to me the two options that need to be taken in the first so round. So you're saying offensive line or, or wide receiver between the it, two? Yeah, when you look at it, when they're the biggest holes. Yeah, I. Those are the two that I feel comfortable with, and and if there's an edge rusher there, then that's fine. But if you if you gave me specific prospects, so like, if Tyler Linderbaum is there, he's my pick. Like mm. uh, out of anybody that realistically will be there, I'm picking Tyler Linderbaum. If Kenyon Green is there, I will probably take him second. If after that it's it's pretty much wide open. Go get me a wide receiver. If one of those top wide receivers falls, fine. If George Karloftis is there, absolutely. Take him out of Purdue as an edge rusher. Make it happen. I I think there's, there's a need for both of those positions, but I just yeah. don't want them to feel like they're pigeonholed straight into picking either a wide receiver or uh, an offensive lineman. I just hope the best player there is – an offensive lineman or a wide receiver. And I just saw that comment that popped up right there. I am fully <laughs> on the Tyler Linderbaum train. If mm. he is there, don't be stupid. Turn in the card, draft Tyler Linderbaum, and let's ride. Okay, but could I not make an argument for you that yeah. Linderbaum, right, I've checked the consensus rankings on him, sure. and they're saying he's getting ranked around about the 16th, right? Which yep. obviously is not the be all and end all. Doesn't mean he's going to be the sixty. No. It's obviously as an uh, as that's, a, that's an, an right, expert though. consensus. Yeah, he, he's going to drop. Yep. Whereas a guy Alec. <laughs> so th this is what I almost did this yesterday. Um. So here we are with it. But Alec mm. Lindstrom, right? When you look yeah. at it, he is consensus one hundred and forty-four. Mm. And I know you're going to say trust the tape, watch your eyes. But let me just sure. say. He does, right? Although they are, and it's Boston College, and we know Boston College churn out offensive linemen like nobody's business. But sure. they are, in terms of height, weight, very similar. But Alec Lindstrom has a longer arm reach, a bigger wingspan, and mm -hmm. during his collegiate career, fewer sacks and pressures. Mm -hmm. 
So what I'm saying is I agree that I like the Lindebaum, but for terms of statistical value, and I know statistics you don't draft on, but when you look at it in terms of value and everything else, Alec Lindstrom is actually coming up better than Lindebaum. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like you said, statistics, analytics, that's fine. I understand it. But, yeah, you knew what my answer was going to be, and trust yeah. the tape. I've watched yeah. both guys. I have Tyler Linderbaum graded on a seven-point scale. I have him graded as a 6.8. So he is a low-risk, high-reward, star potential, first-round draft pick, in my opinion. Yeah. Whereas I have Lindstrom as a front-end future starter – but mm-hmm. backup developmental offensive lineman right now. This team needs a plug and play starter. Even Tyler Biotish, who didn't start initially, but he was really thrusted into that starting role as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. him as a developmental player because he's a guy that you need to work more into, into a starting role. And he has better traits than – Alec Lindstrom, but Alex Lindstrom's going to go in there and he's going to be the best center on this ball club initially. Alec Lindstrom would have to work for a little bit to be considered as a starter. He's not a plug and play guy on the offensive line. If you're going to take a guy to replace Tyler Biotish, he sure better be better than Tyler Biotish. And I saw the comment there. I kind of agree. I had Tyler Biotish as a higher grade than I have Lindstrom in this draft, even though Lindstrom's only my fourth center that's on the board. Yeah, he, yeah, he's my fourth on my board. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I think determines, I think for me, Lindstrom is, has test, and he's also in the East West Shrine. He, yeah, he, he wasn't a bad player during that game. No, he did fine. Uh, and no, against the side, as a fourth round developmental player and a guy yeah. who you can rely on to maybe be the guy one day if you yeah. didn't get Tyler Linderbaum in the first round, I'm all for it. That's fine. If you wanted to take him in the fourth. If you didn't take Linderbaum earlier, you didn't get a chance at Linderbaum. Sure, yeah. I, sign me up for it. But uh, if you're going, if you're going to tell me you would wait on Tyler Linderbaum and then draft Lindstrom later in the draft, that's yeah, no, I'm yeah, yeah it's I, too rich. I'm not here for that one. Give me Tyler Linderbaum and let's ride. All right, but obviously with with Lin, uh, with Linderbaum, obviously bottom five percent in weight and bottom one yeah. percent in wingspan and arm length. That isn't concerning to you though with the pros. It's a little concerning, but it's not concerning at 24 because any player that you get outside of the top 12, 15 players in the draft, they're not going to be a wholesome player. We talk about this quite a bit on the draft show. Brian Broaddus, Jeff Cavanaugh, David Hellman, they all do a great job. And I'm still kind of the newer person. But even I understand that after the 15th pick, you look at guys and you say, okay, they have this high potential. They have this high ceiling. You see the tape and you really like what they bring on tape, but they just may not have those traits that some yeah. of the top guys have that have great tape and great traits. These guys are, they're, they're not damaged goods, but they're really, really good players that have a little bit of a setback. And Linderbaum happens to be one of those guys, except his tape was so good that he's mm. likely to go even before the Cowboys get to 24 period and if he drops it will be because of his measurements yeah yeah exactly and it seems to be the cowboys certainly uh and they did last year make an emphasis on measurements yeah particularly particularly arm a particularly yeah. arm um, on defense I'm, yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna take the last two minutes of of that clip there and put it on my ipod 
and make an MP3 of it and play it over and over again. Just, you know, that was that was beautiful. Uh, myself and Rich we were the two offensive line guys. Um, I'm going to tell you why Kyle is absolutely right because from a wide receiver standpoint, you don't draft a wide receiver with a first round pick for him to be wide receiver number two. So what basically what my point is, let CD Lamb try and be wide receiver number one. Because with Amari Cooper there, you're going to obviously target Amari Cooper more. So hopefully the, the, the targets for Amari Cooper go to CD Lamb. I always make the point during during the season that there is only one ball to go around. So you've got Dalton Schultz, who's now on the salary and the on the franchise tag. You've got uh, CD Lamb. You've got Michael Gallup, who we always wanted to be a wide receiver number one. My point being, let these guys go and try and be wide receiver number one. Supplement an already thin offensive line. Um, when history has shown, when we take offensive linemen in the first round, we hit, and when we take offensive linemen day two, day three, it's questionable at best. I mean, you've got Connor Williams, who's no longer no longer on the team. Biadish, who I agree with Kelly, is a work in progress. I'm not ready to give up on Biadish just yet, but mm-hmm. I still think he's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So, by taking Linderbaum or Green. They have fewer red flags than a day two or a day three talent, um, especially when you have a very, very thin offensive line. Basically, what I'm saying is try and let Lamb be wide receiver number one as opposed to taking yep. competition. He's yeah. got it. He's, <laughs> yep. he's got it. Here's the other thing, too, is you even said drafting a 24 to be a wide receiver two. I mean, most likely he'll be a wide receiver three. So you'll have mm-hmm. spent – a 17th pick two years ago on your wide receiver one, you'll have five years, $62 million locked up in your wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a wide receiver three that you spent a 24th overall pick just two years after your wide receiver one. You're right. That's a lot of investment after franchise tagging your tight end too, might I? Yeah. 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 So there's, there's a lot of investment in pass catchers. So if it doesn't work out, then yeah, you're you're in deep deep trouble regardless. So I I don't think a wide receiver in the second or the third round is out of the possibility. I think there's plenty of value there. I'm gonna do it. it, it can't Sky more. Sky more. Ah, you watch the show, my I'm gonna you do it. I'm gonna do it. Show. That's fine. Hey, Skymore's a great player. I don't know if he's a first round talent like Jeff likes to think he is, and he's yeah. He's with us next week, actually. Yeah, I love Jeff, and and I love I love his love for Sky Moore. But yeah, he's a good player. Just don't tell me that you want to take him at 24. I'm not on that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, a, a hell of a 10-yard split in big hands. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And, and uh, do you know something, things. actually, while we're talking to Sky Moore? I actually, when I was watching it, a lot of people keep saying, yeah, but he's a slot receiver. I think he's more uh, than that. Definitely no, he's way more than that. that. I agree yeah. with you. No, he's not a slot. He's that, that old mindset of thinking about a slot receiver because he's a yes. little bit smaller and because mm-hmm. he's got some quickness to him. The slot receiver now is a much more evolved position than it was yeah. in the past. Sky Moore is going to play outside. He has the ability to play outside. Guess what? Yeah. He did it a lot at Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's also going to play in the slot, but that's an also not a significant or only added into that beforehand. Exactly, Mondo. I tell you what he reminds me of coming out of college was Sterling Shepard, that type okay. of player. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, 
But that is, uh, I know we said an hour and we've gone way over that. So I do apologize. You know what it it's happens. like when you, yeah, you get into the flow. So we're going to yeah. uh, let you crack on with the rest of your day over in sunny Dallas and um, let you do your thing. But we, I will say we are doing, um, we're not doing a 24 hour draft show this year. We're not doing that. Oh, anymore. you're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Why? Um, why? Why did you not want to do that? I'm sure you're going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but uh, if you want to see what it's like when um, like a handful of guys go crazy at 23 hours of talking, it is it is worth a watch Dude, for the 23rd hour, because all it is we, is just bloodshot eyes and a lot of laughing and cracking up. Well, that's what draft weekend is for us. I, I think last year I charted, I charted five hours of sleep over the three days of draft weekend because we've got, not only do we have the draft show and the live coverage that we do, but we have yeah. to write articles. Mm -hmm. Then we have to turn around and you, we have t TV specials that we have to film. And interviews. then of course, yeah, interviews and, and different things with the prospects that come in. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And you guys went 24 hours, and I remember sitting there and being like, these guys are nuts. And I'm the one that's spending 23 hours a day that's doing the coverage, and you guys just wanted to do that one day. And I was like, man, these guys are crazy. I love it. Like, like I would never think about doing any of that. But I, that's it's awesome. Credit to you guys. But I'm glad you, you decided to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we it was all for charity, so it was uh, a lot of fun doing yeah, that that's because awesome. it was before the guys. cause. But um, we are doing draft shows this year. We're doing all three days during the draft. And if you've got a minute, we'll shoot you a yeah. message and see if you can come on and talk about the, the, the picks and the selections and anything that crops up that was surprising to you or, or not surprising, as the case yeah, may be. for sure. Hit me up. Let me know. I'd love to hop on. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. There it is. And it was getting pretty crazy out there. But yeah, we'll yeah. let you go, mate. And we'll finish wrapping the show up. Yeah. And I'm sure you don't want to sit here listening to us talking sponsors. So. Hey, I always like listening to the sponsors. They pay the money or they, 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 yeah. they pay they, the bills. That's what's they happening. They pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll speak to you uh, off air and get things organized and talk to you again, mate. Thank you very Sounds much for joining guys. us and everything you do as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have fun. And thank you for everything that you guys do. No, no. Thank Thanks, you. Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Cheers, mate. And there we have it. The great Kyle Yeomans. That was a lot of fun, as it always is. Um, next week, though, we've got another guest coming in. So it's coming in thick and fast. The week after that, we've got another guest. And then after we have another <laughs> guest. So it's just guest after guest. Yeah, uh, trying to get you as much information as we can, as we always do. Who wants to do the read? Go, go on, for I'll, it. I'll go. Go on well, then. Obviously, start looking. Start looking to book up your um, game day packages for this coming season. Um, if you're going to a game, obviously book through Cowboys Experience. Um, you know they're great for meet and greets, tailgating, game day packages. They'll work with you for as and when you arrive in Dallas and as and when you leave as well. So they'll try and cram as much information and events in for you as well. And if you're going to Dallas and you're booking through them, use the code UK Cowboys and you get free, free stuff. stuff. <laughs> That's right. And then let Graham talk on this one. Make sure to check out all these awesome content creators. Uh, we love every single one of them. We've even had some of them on the show. 
hope uh, hope Jay Tuck enjoyed his holiday. Not the least, but <laughs> jealous. Looking at watching him on the beach all week, that was absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, so these these guys all have great draft content coming up. Mm-hmm. It's a really exciting time in the off season. And we'll get some of them on as well during our, our draft yep. shows. Absolutely. Um, so that'll be a lot of if fun. If you like beach photos, Graham, you'll see me doing that in a couple of weeks' time as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just a, a final shout-out to, obviously, the MVPs of the show, and that is all you guys. Thank you very much for your quotes, your comments, questions. All amazing, the shares. We love you guys. Thank you very much. And we will leave you with this. Uh, before we go, though, if you want to all say goodbye and finish the show off, and we'll hit the draft day advert. Yeah, so have a good week, guys. And catch you next week. And enjoy yourselves. Let's go, Tyler. <laughs> hit it, Jay. Good week. Stay safe. Have a nice weekend, folks.